Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. guys, welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm a pastor and a missionary, and this is the Missionary Roundtable podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Great Commission and international missions and how we can do a better job of taking part in that. Today, I'm very excited to have back on the podcast my friend, uh, dear friend, and missionary to Ecuador, Will Lyon. Now, you're going to see in just a second that I... Uh, when the Zoom call started with Will, I had I had it recording already. Um, usually, I do a little bit of uh, intro with with the whoever I'm interviewing and just tell them where I'm thinking about going, what kind of questions I want to ask. Um, but I've known Will for a long time, and this is he's been on he's done an episode every single season of Missionary Roundtable, and so we hadn't talked uh, for a while, really, since since the last season. So I was like, you know what, we're just going to catch up candidly, uh, over this conversation, uh, while recording and, and he, he was up for the challenge. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. If you haven't listened to one of Will's previous podcasts, you should definitely pause this and go back and listen to either season one or season two's episode, uh, so that you can know more about his ministry and what he does. But I really think that you're going to enjoy, uh, the different stuff that we get into, or at the very least, Maybe you'll uh, glean some things during my uh, therapy session, if you will, uh, as I'm asking Will different questions uh, throughout this episode. So I think you guys will like this one. Have fun. Enjoy. Morning, brother. William Lyon. What's up? Good evening. My dude, how are you doing? And I'm doing wonderful. Man. How about you? I'm doing great, dude. And we're, dude, I'm already recording. <laughs> Nice. I'm serious because I'm like, listen, I have no notes. I right before I sent you this link, I wrote three phrases down, and I'm like, this is so. Here's here's this. This is the new thing. Will we talk once a year? We catch up and we record the conversation, and maybe there's a couple people who actually think it's interesting. <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> it's like, I did this with somebody else already for this season. Like, I, I hadn't seen them in a long time, obviously. And so, I, you know, they picked up. We're like, dude, how's it going? We had like a 20-minute conversation. I was like, man, that was really good. We should have, like, been, like, going. Now we got to, like, fake that again. Right. <laughs> but no, dude, seriously, <laughs> right. thank you so much for taking the time. It's it's a joy, as always, to talk to you. Uh, I, I appreciate it, Kale, man. It's good to see you again. Yeah. I appreciate you thinking of me again. And- of course. And uh, looking forward to catching up with you. <laughs> so how are you guys doing on the field right now? Just just your family and your kids and, and yeah, what's going on with you guys just in your personal life? Yeah, we we are doing well as a family. God is, you know, God continues to bless and our boys are growing up fast. Man, uh, I've seen that on Facebook, man. They're getting older and taller. <laughs> right. Yeah, my uh, my oldest son is 14. He's, he's about my same height now. And then uh youngest son is, is 11, Levi. He's, yeah, he's growing, man. He, they both, they love the Lord. And I see they're both kind of turning into their own personality and, and learning how to, how to, you know, serve the Lord with the talents that he's given them. And mm-hmm. our youngest one is, is really getting into music. Oh, no uh, way. Loves, 
loves guitars. He's already leading the worship at our church. And oh, man, that's cool. the, my oldest son is all into everything electronic. You know, he loves to okay. fix broken computers and he's, he's getting into making videos and things like that now. And so the Lord's, Lord's blessing them. We're all, we're all doing well as a family. My wife's doing well. Good. Uh, good. She's got a lot of, a lot of great opportunities in ministry down here. The longer, the longer we're here, the more open doors we get for ministry, yeah. the more people trust us and the more they open up to us. And so recently my wife's had a real, real great opportunity to reach out to quite a few ladies. And so everything's going well. Praise Man, the Lord. That's all. Well, it sounds like you you're guys? growing a little ministry team. You've got the tech right. social media guy, you've got the worship leader, you know, I mean, that's, that's really cool, man. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah, man, we're, we're doing good. It's I've, I've actually, one of the things I jotted down that we'll get to later is, uh, cause I feel like every time we do these, um, like I'm, I, obviously it's a podcast episode, so I'm trying to get like good content for the audience, but it's more like, I love picking your brain for me. And so I'm going to be super selfish and just be like, hey, man, this is where we're at now. We are at the recording of this a year and a half in uh, since we left home, which is crazy because the first time I talked to you for season one, we were stuck at home on deputation. COVID hit and we didn't know when we were going to get to the field. And so, wow, what what a whirlwind three years can be in your life if you're if you're following God, it can be, it can be right. crazy, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. But man, I, you know, I, I just saw on Facebook like a couple days ago that you guys had some sort of marriage conference thing. Could you, can you get into that? That, that looked odd. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's been a long time coming. Uh, you know, Kichwa, Kichwa ministry is very different, very slow, um, well, you're doing village. We have to so, take our time. So, for anyone who's right. you know listening to this as their first introduction to you, you you really should pause this and go back and listen to the first episode in season one, and then second in season two. But but Will does village ministry in Ecuador, and you know not a lot of guys are doing village ministry because it's, I mean, we even teach in seminary to start in the cities. But God has just opened so many open doors for you guys. Uh, right. How, how many years right. is this in the making now? When did I, I can't remember? Has it been like twelve years since you landed? Uh, right. Yeah, we're on the field now. Twelve years. Twelve years, man. Praise God. Twelve years now. Yeah. God's been good. We like you like you're talking about the last three years, what it what it's been like and how it's just amazing to look back and see how far God has brought you in such a short amount of time. Uh we feel that all the time. We we just can't believe everything that God has done and, and really how long it's been already. Just the time flies and, and God does so much. Um we as far as the marriage conference goes, we it was a real, real blessing. We have been over the last probably four years. We've we've been given some great opportunities to do marriage counseling, premarital counseling, things like that. It's basically non-existent. People don't know what that is sure. really here, mm-hmm. and so it's a new concept. You know, we've been trying to lay the groundwork for that, and you know, God's given us a lot of great opportunities there. Been able to help some families. You know, praise the Lord. We've seen some great things happen, and what has happened now is that people have taken notice of these families. People have noticed that there's something different and something's going on with all these different families. And people started making the connection that there is a, there's a biblical foundation worth pursuing there in, wow. in, as far as a marriage goes. Uh, families are, are broken here, just like anywhere else in the world. It looks a lot different here, but it's, it's the same story. And so we, you know, the Lord's given us a lot of great opportunities to, to lead people to the word of God and show them biblical principles for marriage hmm. and parenting, things like that. And so, as a result of the last few years, several people came together and they said, hey, we need to, 
a lot of the new believers, a lot of believers who were already already believers when we came here, they came together and basically said, hey, we need to get together and invite everybody we can and do this as a public thing and, and teach nice. as many people as we can nice. in, a, in a large setting. And you got to love and it so, when it's like they're the ones who are like, hey, we got to do this. I mean, because oh, I at the it. beginning, right. you're the one saying we need to do this to everything. And then, man, once it makes exactly. that transfer, they're like, man, this is what our community needs. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's the most exciting thing as a missionary when mm-hmm. you start to see that happen. Uh, we know, you know, we're in this for life, mm-hmm. but we know our life is a vapor. And sure. we know that we are very fragile here as far as as far as foreigners go. You know, I sure. mean, the government could, you know, make a decision tomorrow that would that would. Mm-hmm you know, limit or even end our ministry here. And so we, we're always looking for that, just like any missionary would be. We're always looking for that, those open doors that God gives us to put things in people's hands. And, and that's what happened with the, with the marriage conference. They, they came to us. In fact, they weren't even going to have me do it. They were going to have me teach a part of it. And then they were going to look for some other guys. Maybe they could invite from some of the big cities to come and help as well. Hmm. And anyway, that ended up falling through. So I ended up doing the whole thing. Plan and B, huh? Yeah, you know, it's Plan B. You know, <laughs> made me feel real good. But I, I was, I was thankful, like you said. I'm, I'm thankful that they're, they're moving yeah, forward, yeah. in some ways, even without me, and that's really exciting. So was it like a multiple day conference, or just like a, like a, a big long Saturday or Sunday kind of thing? It was two days, like a Friday mm-hmm. afternoon, and then all day Saturday. Nice, nice. And how, right. how many? We did the, people ended up coming. Do you think? Somewhere in the range of about 100 to 120. No way. Man. Yeah, it was a, that is a good awesome. crowd. So, was, I mean, that many people who were interested. I mean, they, they weren't coming because you were handing right. out free food and then doing marriage right. stuff. It's like they were there because you were doing a marriage conference. Exactly. Man, exactly. We we, uh, we avoid giving out stuff like the plague because, I mean, if we give stuff out, everybody comes. And so <laughs> right, right. There's a, there's a fine line there you have, to, you have to balance as a missionary. You want them to come in here, but at the same time, you want them to come for the right reason. Mm. And so we, you know, the Lord really blessed. And it was about, I'd say about a third of them were, were existing believers that we've been working oh, with wow. for a long time. Maybe another, you know, third to a half were new believers that have okay. been saved over the last five, six, seven years. And then there was a good crowd of unbelievers as well, people wow. who openly reject Christ, but with a lot of marriage problems and a lot of family problems. Yeah. And so there was something about that that was, that was attractive to them that they wanted to huh. hear. And so we we intertwined the gospel, obviously, all sure. throughout all the teaching and everything we did. And so it was a great opportunity. Man, that's awesome. And was it something, obviously, you were encouraged just because it happened and people came. But how were, okay, so the guys, whoever the leaders were who were proposing, like, hey, this is what we need to do. Did they feel encouraged afterward as well? They did. I, I met with some of them afterwards, and they're they're super excited because <laughs> we, one of the things we we set up was, we wanted to be able to offer counseling, mm-hmm. but obviously we couldn't couldn't do it right then and there. So we set up a a way for them to basically request counseling in the future. Okay. So we okay. were given a pretty good list of people who wanted basically ongoing help. Mm-hmm. And the village where we chose to do the ministry, do the conference in, is is not the village where I'm currently church planning. It's it's a village that I've already worked in, and we've mm-hmm. established elders and leaders here. And so those leaders are the ones. They're moving forward now with those new uh, those new contexts. Very cool. And so I think we'll see the fruit for that for quite a while. That's all. Were they all currently married people, or was there young people just interested in marriage, or was it like all like mostly married couples? Uh, it was a mix. It was oh, a mix. Okay. I'd say mostly married, mm-hmm. mostly married. Um, but but then um, you know there were some teenagers in there, some young people, 
And, and it's funny, we, we actually had several people who were uh, families who were actually in adultery right now. Mm-hmm. And, and both sets of families were in there. Um, we had a few that were divorced and, and both both sides, you know, of the family were, were there. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a big mix. Man, <laughs> well, in like in a two-day conference, like, so you say marriage conference, and if if I'm in my American ministry mindset, I'm like, okay, I, I, I think I know, you know, what kind of big topics we'd hit or whatever at whatever session. But you're talking like, okay, we got unmarried people. We got unsaved people. We got mixed marriages. We got adulterous relationships. <laughs> How do you pick right. what, like, because you kind of got to hit a little bit of everything, but like the the core is, well, how do we fix your marriage relationship, whether you're married or not, or unsaved or not, or in adultery or not? It's like, you got you to gotta get right with the Lord, whether that means getting saved or whether that means you are saved and you need to figure out the duties and responsibilities of a husband or a wife biblically. So it's like, you you know the, the root that needs to be established, but then, man, that that branches off into so many side stories that was it difficult or did you just like trust God that like, okay, we're, this is what we're going to do and just, you know, hope that we hit enough people. Right. Yeah. It was, it was very difficult in, in the planning stages because it was, I, I was really just relying on the Lord to show me. Cause like you said, there's a million different ways you can go. And the only option is to hit a grand slam. I mean, you, you got to hit them all. <laughs> you know, there's no other choice. We and have to so, win the whole thing, man. <laughs> right, right. That's how we went into it. And so we basically we 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 took what we believed were the biggest biblical principles mm-hmm. that would specifically touch the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what the biggest issues are here. And so one of the we we focused on four main topics. One of them was marital intimacy mm-hmm. and that was funny. I, it's a very cold culture. Mm-hmm. Um, husbands and wives here don't hold hands. They would never in a million really? years say, I love you in front of anyone. Very, very cold. Wow. I've never seen a couple kiss Interesting. except at a wedding. You in know, that part of the world, like anytime I think of like Mexico, Central America, South America, I always think like super warm cultures, like touchy feely, inviting, welcoming, whether it's sincere or shallow. It's just, it, that seems to be the theme <laughs> yeah. that people think of, you know, so that surprises exactly. me. Yeah. It, but to tell you, to tell you the truth, you're right. Once you go down in the, into the cities and you get into that culture, it's because of the culture up here in the mountains in the village uh, culture, it's different okay. here. Okay. That's the difference. Interesting. And so like, if you go down to the capital city, of course, it's that way everybody hugs and kisses on the cheek. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's very different. But when we touched that topic, they had never heard anything like that wow. publicly. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. Some of the questions we got, like one of the things I, I simply tried to establish is that, that this is God's plan for marriage and it's his idea. Yeah, it's all in yeah. his hands. It's actually good. He made it. And I mean, it just blew people's minds. Wow. It just, all, the only thing they've ever been able to associate marital intimacy with is, is sin. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's the only context they have. Sure. And so it was, it was amazing. One lady asked, she said, if, if marital intimacy is not a sin, then why were Adam and Eve punished? You know, and those are those are the kind of questions wow. people get here. I mean, it's just completely yeah. new to them. They That's... had like they had never heard it before, bro. And you know, so you was, know what? Though? It was a real blessing. Like, so so the stage of ministry that we're at. I, I'll give you a quick update because we we literally didn't like whoever's listening to this. 
Will said, hello, man. I had hit record before he was in the Zoom chat. So, like, they're actually – he's probably the only guy this season I'm going to do this to. I feel kind of bad now. But just as a little, like, update, like, the first year we were on the field was very – um, uh, well, it was strange because of COVID for sure. The first six months, there wasn't much of anything other than uh, language learning and trying to adapt to – there wasn't much adapting. It was winter and it was cold and everything was shut down. So it's like the first six months were weird. Then it opened up. But the first year in its entirety was very slow going, very uh, single focused. Like God gave me a vision, focus on language learning and building relationships, seek seeking men. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, the people part wasn't coming very fast in my uh, my Western American mindset was like, man, I got to start seeing some results. You know, That's immediately what you start thinking, you know, like I got to justify why I'm over here, man. Um, but God right. just kept teaching me. Like every time I would like think of something in my brain, like maybe I should try this and I'd go before the Lord and ask him. And it was like Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Wait, I say on the Lord. Like it was just always him saying, wait, just chill, dude, calm down. And uh, I, I learned a lot uh, about just waiting on the Lord in that year. And so at the beginning of this year, I started just fasting and praying for a little while, just looking for vision for this coming year. And uh, man, I can't tell you how quickly the floodgates started opening. Not, I mean, it's not like we have like 100 people all of a sudden, but it's like all of a sudden people started coming out of the woodwork or people we were touching base with started asking more questions or we started building more relationships. And then it was like mid January that these things started coming in. And now it's like, I'm, I'm busy, man. And it's, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's what I want to be. Um, but it's still the foundational stage. We don't have a church yet. It's going to be a minute until we get an actual church. I'm not rushing. If I've learned anything from God in the last three years, it's like, don't get trigger happy on God. Just follow him, trust Mm him. I say all that to say, Man, so you were talking about teaching these people who had never heard anything like that. And, and like, I'm, I'm discipling a guy right now who's a new Christian. Um, I've studied, we've been studying the Bible with some, some girls who are Christians, but very young, don't know much of anything. And we're friends with some other people who, who are lost and, and it's, and it's awesome. But man, when you start talking about God or teaching the Bible to people who weren't raised in any church context, they don't know anything and it is so refreshing. Mm. It's so much fun, man, because like I just think back to doing ministry in America and everybody has a preconceived notion about something regardless of whether mm-hmm. they're saved or not. You know, it's just whatever culture or home they grew up in. It's just being in America. You probably have heard something, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you start talking to these guys about this concept or I'm trying to think of a specific example. I, I can't off the top of my head. But I remember just recently talking to my wife about, you know, Bible study or something I was doing with somebody. And, and it was just blowing their mind, dude. Simple mm-hmm. Bible truths. And it was just so exciting. And I, I think that's the part about missions that is simultaneously incredibly difficult. Because you are, you are starting from scratch every time. If, if you're doing it right, yeah. if, you're, if, if you're not building on another man's right. foundation, um, right. you're starting from scratch every time. But that's also like such a joy because I don't know how else other than international foreign missions you can experience that. I'm, I'm sure there's places in America where where you can, but as as a whole, un- unless you go to the foreign mission field, you just don't experience that as often. And uh, that has been something right. that's been very exciting and encouraging and challenging at the same time because you also have to like – you have to know how fast to go with people, especially when it comes to like they're learning and then, okay, when, when do I call out sin? 
when do I, you know what I mean? Cause you're, you're trying right, to teach right. them how to get saved before you teach them how to be a legalist, you know, like you're, right. you're trying to lead them and, and right. parent them. And, uh, sorry, that was a long ramble, but it just like what you said about how they just don't know anything. It's like, that's kind of been mm-hmm. my world the last six months and it's been, mm-hmm. uh, super exciting and, and equal parts challenging at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those? I mean, I guess you're still in it, obviously, but do you remember those foundational right. uh, years in the ministry in the Quechua villages? Oh, absolutely. You, you said it exactly right. It's it's a it's full of challenges, but at the same time, it's so exciting. And I think I think God allows both of those emotions just to keep us going. You know, keep us mm. humble, and and, mm. and at the same time, keep us moving forward. Yeah, we uh, we love that. We wouldn't trade that for anything <laughs> in the world. You know, we our life is just wrapped up with people right now who we're very new. Like you said, they're just very, very new. And so everything is completely foreign to them. And of course it affects your discipleship. It affects how you evangelize. You know, you don't yeah. start with Jesus loves you. Obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of groundwork. You start with to God exists, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely. exactly where we start. <laughs> uh, we start with explaining what is this book in my hand? And then we go mm-hmm. into you know, the first words are in the beginning. God. Absolutely. And so that's where we have to start, you know, it, and we love it. It's really exciting. And as far as, you know, you're, you're preaching, for example, when you get it, when you get the church off the ground, get it going for the first time, it's full of new believers. It's full mm-hmm. of people who have no idea. So you have to pick you your, know, your you, books and passages and, and topics strategically. Oh yeah. You gotta be careful. Mm-hmm. You gotta be very careful. St- teach it in such a way where, where they're getting the big picture first, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, it's little things that I learned at the beginning. For example, I'm used to in a sermon you know, say I'm preaching the New Testament and I just mentioned something about Abraham. Yeah, you don't go there. You don't even address the verse. You just... Right, you know, everybody knows. Everybody understands. Yeah, yeah. And I do that here and it's just, you know... They're like, whoa, 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 wait wait a second. What What was was that last thing? Can we we stop (laughs) there for a second? Right, who's that guy? (laughs) And so, it, you know, it slows me down in preaching because then we're like... If, if I really need to talk about Abraham, it's all right, let's go to Genesis. Let me, uh, let's read these verses again. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, then we'll go back to the new Testament. And so it, it's an exciting time and it requires a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's an adventure and, uh, oh, it's, 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 great. it's the things that make all the hardship. I feel like the last episode, I didn't go back and listen to it, but I, I remember what we talked about last year. I feel, especially cause I remember where I was at this time last year. I feel right. like those are the things that make the hardships of missions like, not worth it because obviously it's worth it because you're serving God and you're doing what he asked you to do. But it, it does right. balance out just on a day-to-day practical level. The I, I mm-hmm. often tell people when they say, you know, what's, what's it like? That, that's a hard question to, to ask and to answer. And I'm like, well, man, right. as a missionary, the, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. I mean, they, it's yeah. it really is like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's, you know, I feel like in America, even when I was you know serving in ministry, it's like the the highs are cool and the lows are are not so cool. But it's it it's not as big of a um, a difference as like on on the mission field. It's like the highs are really high, and it's like oh my gosh, I'm experiencing what the Lord has wanted me to do on the front lines of battle, and it's such a high mountaintop experience. But then the lows, just because of the context, can can really drag you down. Um, and, and it's those kind of adventurous victories of seeing people come to grasp with who God is in the Bible f- for the first time in their lives that it really does balance that out for you. It maybe mm-hmm. keeps you sane. Maybe that's just a simple way right. to say it. Right. Know? <laughs> God, uh, God knows how frail we are and yeah. how much we need just a little bit of encouragement every now and then. For sure, so, man. Hey, uh, God brings those things along at just the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I was just in Albania. Well, I don't know when this will air in the summer, but 
when I'm talking to you, I was just in Albania like two weeks ago, uh, visiting, uh, pastor Jeff's ministry. Uh, he was there with a couple of guys preaching at conference and they were celebrating 30 years of ministry, uh, since Jeff wow. went there in the early nineties and Jeff's been back in, in America for 15 years now. And the ministry has continued. Wow. Um, I think there's, there's three churches and they're planting another and, and they're sending out an, their second missionary. And it's just, it, oh. it's so encouraging for me to see, cause it's like, if the Lord tarries, that, that's what, that's the goal. That's what I want to see in 30 years. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm learning now, cause this is what I would have done in America, but it's like, now that I have a disciple, he's, he's, he's young in the faith. Um, uh, and he has no context for church or ministry or even what I want to start. That's the funny part. Like you tell him like, Hey, this is what we're, the goal is. He's like, okay, I don't, I don't even know what that means. But, and so I was like, come right. with me, let's fly to Albania. It's an hour flight from Budapest. A lot easier to get there from, than from America. I was like, come right. and see, I just want you to see the the vision, the goal and, and see what church is like, see the fellowship of the body. And we were only there for like three days, but he, he was to see him like, be like, wow, this is okay it was it was like exciting to him and to see that and uh that's great yeah man it's oh i guess i could uh, piggyback that on a question for you because you're 12 years in um where if the lord tarries once you're 20 30 years into this thing um what would you like to see as the i mean uh, the easy answer don't give me a cop out well i'd like to see the indigenous (laughs) churches self-supportive with native pastors okay okay i get it (laughs) but 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 really really (laughs) (laughs) carnally Uh spiritually spiritually carnal what what would you like to see in a couple decades right um there's a long list i'll uh, i'll try to give you the yeah give the most important things (laughs) the one of the things that my heart is really, really burdened for is to see the Kichwa men who, you know, were addicted to to sin and to, to many things, you know, <laughs> people who have been in the world their entire life, but men who now I've had the privilege of lead to Christ, leading to Christ, baptizing them, and I'm seeing them grow in the faith now, I'm discipling them. It would It would thrill my heart more than anything to see those men become passionate preachers of the gospel. I mean, that just more than anything would just, it would do so much for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a passionate preacher of the gospel, but I'm also from another culture. You know, I'm fighting through language issues. I'm, I'm just things I don't understand. You know? Sure. Sure. And just, just the concept of, of being able to send those guys out and, and trust them just as much as I would trust, you know, a missionary from the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the, one of the areas we dedicate a lot of time to, you know, to discipleship. And just like you said, you know, taking that guy to Albania, that's exactly what Jesus would have done. He, uh, he would have spent time with his disciples. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a huge, huge deal. And so I, I love that you're, you're doing that. And so we want to see that as far as ministry goes. I want to see, you know, Kichwa men take this, take it seriously and move forward with the ministry. And then as well, uh, discipleship. You know, we love discipleship. We spend a lot of time dedicating, dedicated to, to discipleship. And we're seeing a lot of people grow. Mm. And we're really... We're seeing that realm now of of the disciples are making more disciples. We're seeing that happen now. God. That, that so we're like well, third generation, I guess technically, right? If you're counting you right. the first, yeah. And so my my desire would be to see them really fall in love with discipleship mm-hmm. and and see how important it is and really take a hold of that and run with that. Um, I love. I mean, we got a handful of guys that are already doing that. That's I awesome. would just love to see God light a fire under that and just mm-hmm. see it see it explode. We, I mean, I love evangelism and 
but my heart is just always drawn to discipleship. Mm. And I don't, I don't want to say that to sound like a heretic <laughs> or something like that, but I, my heart beats for discipleship. I just, yeah. I love, I love seeing people come to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. but I have experienced so much in my lifetime of, you know, basically seeing someone come to faith in Christ and then saying, you know, see you later. Good luck. Yeah. I've yeah. seen so much of that, for you know, sure. just, just dropping the ball. Yeah. And so my heart just, I just, I just see so much fruit in that in discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I, I want to see the people get excited about that and move forward. And evangelism, I feel like is, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's super important. Of course, you can't disciple without, you have to share the, you have to have new believers right. to disciple, of course. Exactly. But I, I feel like evangelism is something that can be faked as a Christian um, or monetized mm-hmm. or, I mean, Listen, I'm not, I'm not bashing anyone specifically, but I just think, you know, way back in the day, we had traveling evangelists. We didn't have traveling disciplers, though. I mean, it, it's like That's I can true. roll into That's a true. town and, and, you know, and share the gospel with a thousand people who come to my tent revival and then, you know, leave town and go do it again. And mm-hmm. listen, you know, no judgment here, but I'm just saying the hard work is discipleship. If we're just and right. I always work this with people because it's so important. The physical picture that God gives us for evangelism and discipleship, evangelism is a new birth. It's having babies, right? Yeah. And that's the easy part. I, I know like we have to pray. And just like, you know, if you're trying right. to physically reproduce, you need to pray and ask God because only God is the giver of life. But parenting is the hard part and discipleship is mm-hmm. parenting. And that takes 18 years, yeah. you know, when mm-hmm. we're parenting physical children and, and really never actually ends. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I think you're totally on. I, I I agree with you totally. Evangelism is is incredibly important, but I understand what you're getting at is that like, yeah. not everybody fully gets, even Christians, even missionaries, truly gets the importance of discipleship, and and, mm-hmm. um, training up guys in the way that they should go. I know we use that verse in Proverbs for kids all the time, but like, if your disciple is your spiritual children then what are you, how are you training them up so that when they're old, they shall not depart from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with right. you, man. I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Bible says there in Timothy, not to lay hands quickly on any man. Yeah. You're referring to pastors, elders, yeah. you know, people who are going to take ministries. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes it's easy in, in the context of of wanting to see numbers, you know, the American context, like, like we've talked about Especially before. missions. Cause you get an excited kid oh, yeah. and it's like, okay, let's just ordain them and send them out or, or something, you know, it's like, we need right, elders, right, exactly. we need deacons, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. It's it would wise. sound good in a prayer letter, you know, was... <laughs> <So> <laughs> right. Right. We, um, we've had to learn to slow down and we've had to learn to really embrace discipleship. And like you said, it, I mean, I, there's a lot of different types of ministries out there and you, and you don't want to turn, you know, cynical to anything like that. But, but as a missionary, I've learned to really, really appreciate other missionaries who take discipleship seriously, mm-hmm. who take, yeah. you know, being in, in the pains of birth until I see Christ formed in you, you know, they, they take those things seriously. Yeah. Cause like you said, it, people who understand what we're talking about, they're going to understand what we're talking yeah. about. The evangelism is the easy part of the two side of things. That's, I, I know we glorify I, it as like a really hard thing. And it is, man. I, I've not led a thousand right. people to the Lord or anything. I, I get it. Right. But that's that's the yeah. thing that if you're just comparing it to the physical picture, it's like that can – it can happen on accident. I mean, I'm not, try, I'm not trying to be crude here, but it's like you could literally just be in the right spot at the right time and God sends a guy – maybe uh-huh. it's not a, what, what must I do to be saved? But it's like, and that dude gets right. saved because he was seeking and God put the man of God in his path. Not 
Now, to be fair, I've intentionally started praying that way that God would send yeah. me those guys. But that's yeah, that's right. that's just the beginning though. The rest is like, okay, mm-hmm. now how are we going to work through especially when you're on the field? How are we going to work through mm-hmm. whatever it is that you grew up in in your culture? How am I going to teach you living um, to value the Bible's opinion over yours or man's or school, uh, colleges or whatever. that That's the hard part, man. When am I going to bring up the sin that's in your life that you don't really fully understand as sin yet, but it is and we need to deal with it, but we need to deal with it at the right time so that you're ready to handle that. And it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's the work it of a father. <laughs> right. You have many really instructors requires... in Christ, but you you have not many fathers is what Paul says. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It requires dependence on the Holy spirit. And mm-hmm. it, like you, you, you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things that can be faked in the Christian life, you know, evangelism and emissions. And of course, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm learning this more and more, but really just about any ministry in the church, you know, especially public ministry, yeah. a lot of that can be, can be falsified. Yeah. Um, but, but discipleship, it cannot be no. like, there's no way to hide mm-hmm. whether or not I'm making disciples or not, whether or not the people around me are actually growing to be more like Christ or not. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's one of the ways you really see if someone's really growing spiritually, if they get mm-hmm. to the point where they're, you know, beginning to make other disciples and you're seeing that spiritual growth in other people's right. lives. Right. Exactly. Did, did they get to the point where they were mature enough to not only see that evangelism is important and they need to take part, but did they're, they're reproducing. And they desire to right. reproduce and to make disciples. Yeah. So, so can mm-hmm. I ask you, in the same vein, but kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, last time we talked, we were still really in the heat of the pandemic. Um, how, now that we're kind of, at least over here in Europe, we're kind of post-pandemic. There's there were some, I won't say any keywords, but there were some outside things, events that maybe helped end things quicker. I don't know. Um, exactly. But, but where you guys are at, um, have, have things kind of settled down and post COVID ministry, let's call it that, uh, have things changed yeah. for you guys? What, what's harder? What's easier? Has your strategy changed? You know, what's, what's post COVID ministry look for like for you guys in the Quechua villages? Um, I'd say it didn't affect a ton here in, in the, in the Quechua villages. It didn't change a lot. Cause you we weren't just had to kind of slow city. down a little bit. Right, mainly in the big cities. Uh, of course, you know, down in the cities, there were rules like masks and sure. things like that. And they, like a month ago, they finally lifted that rule. You know, I, I hadn't been in a store without a mask in years. And so it was, it was nice going down yeah, a month ago yeah. without a mask. Like, oh, nice. But I'd, I'd say one of the biggest things that we've seen as a, as a change in, in ministry since, since, uh, since COVID is that Kichwa people were very closed to inviting you into their home. Uh, that was very, very rare for us to ever go to someone's house. But because of the way COVID happened, and for a little while we had to do ministry, you know, house to house, basically, it it kind of opened up people to that idea, to mm. doing house churches and oh, that's cool. things along those lines. The very first church we planted, that was my idea. I was like, man, let's just start with a house, house church. And I just thought that'd be great. And, sure. and the people here were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, wow, yeah. Why would I invite people into my house? This is crazy. <laughs> and so we did, I mean, our first churches were, you know, under trees and in fields, we yeah. would always meet outside somewhere. Like you had to have a, pl- a meeting place to get people to right. go. I've heard about that in other go. cultures too. It's like, um, yeah. can't just invite them to your home because it won't go over well. Right. No, yeah, you can't, uh, can't do that here. And then, and then of course going 
you know, from village to village church planning. Obviously, I, I live in a village, but I don't live in every village that we work in. Sure. And so when I go into a new village, I would have to invite people to someone else's home. You know, <laughs> right, church, right, right. Which is even more awkward. Right, because it's like, um, you know, it's like, I, I hate <laughs> the thing how it's like sometimes missionaries, like the first thing they do once they get to the field is like go building shopping. And it's like, come on, guys, like buildings are important right. resources, but like there's right. other things to do but like like in right. this case when you're working in new villages and you need a meeting place what what if that village is like yeah i ain't doing house church how, how do you go right. about that or maybe it's easier right. now since covid yeah it's a little bit easier now people are open to it a little bit more and so when we go into new villages what we do is we just work house to house and we okay. just we, we we visit we share the gospel mm-hmm. and we look for people who are interested of course and <laughs> it it takes a long time to actually like you know, start a church, sure. but what we'll do is we'll have a church for a while. It just won't look like a church yeah, and yeah. we'll go, you know, from house to house, we'll meet in several different houses evangelizing. Mm-hmm. And once we get to the point where there are a few believers mm-hmm. and a few people interested, we'll say, Hey, let's all meet together and let's yeah. go from there. And before that means let's meet under, you know, that tree or let's meet over there <laughs> by the river or whatever. Wow. Now it's the idea is opening up. We can meet in someone's home. That's cool, and man. That's neat. It's a lot easier. It's actually affecting the the culture a little bit. Right. Now that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a lot. Because over mm-hmm. here, it's so so. This is also a colder culture, but f- for a different reason. It's you know the um I can't say Balkan because some people are like Hungary's not Balkan, but Romania is. So okay, it's it's the Central Europe, Eastern Europe side of things. You know the the Eastern Bloc countries, and it's just got a coldness yeah. to it. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I love the people here and, uh, but they, they're not unkind. They just aren't the, they aren't the Latino, uh, culture, you know, of like, you know, someone moves in and you invite them in your house. I mean, I, I was like, we lived here for six months before, like a neighbor, like said hi to us, like verbally, <laughs> you know? So it's just, right. so I understand that, but I think unfortunately, and some of my friends, um, as well, I think that COVID has made it worse here. I think that people have, and maybe mm. it's the same because it's a, uh, even though it's in Central Europe, it's a Western culture, Western, you know, country, EU, mm-hmm. uh, you know, American. I think the Western cultures have retreated to their homes, and I think COVID allowed them to do that, and I think they liked it. And uh, now we haven't seen yeah. anything, you know, because our ministry is so young, we haven't seen anything specific because the the few people that we have, we have tight relationships with. But uh, I'm anticipating that in the future, if things don't go more back to normal, it, it seems to be a little harder here. Um, yeah. I, I think people are sense. even more private than they were, un- unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. really cool I to hear that, that it's actually been providing some open doors for, for you and the villages. That's really cool. Right. Although I'm surprised right, yeah. to hear that the villages were closed too. That, that blew my mind, man. I, I, I assumed that, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. I just figured, oh, you're in village ministry. They probably all go to each other's houses all the time. <laughs> right. You would, you would think that, uh, but <laughs> it, uh, it's taken us a long time to understand uh, how the people think here. And, and I still have absolutely no clue, but I'm getting there. <laughs> the, one of the things we found out, one of the underlying root causes for that concept of, of not going house to house is that um, everybody's mad at everybody. There's a uh... deep, deep bitterness like that small city vibes, it, small Midwestern city. Small city. Everyone knows right, exactly. everyone and hates each other. <laughs> You're right. Everybody's dirty laundry's out all the time. And if I, you know, if, if I go visit this guy, then the other neighbor's going to see me and say, hey, I thought you were on my side. Why are you with him? And it, okay. 
you know, literally wow. it's unbelievable. I, I thought, I mean, I grew up around some of that. I grew up in small Southern towns and, and I, you know, I'd seen it my whole life, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, it's a whole nother level here. It's just, it's completely different in how, how many how people live in a village it, there? Give or t- I'm sure every village is different, but what are, are, are we talking right. hundreds of thousands in between? Hundreds, hundreds. Okay, yeah. The, okay. the one we're planning the church in now is about 200. Okay. Okay. A couple um, hundred people. Another yeah, one man. So like everybody really right. literally knows everybody. It's, it's not literally, a phrase. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Yeah. 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 And, um, the village we're getting ready to start a church in, that one's about 500, mm-hmm. but most of them are around that range. And gotcha. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool that you've got some more open doors though, as far as like doing, doing some Bible studies and houses. That's kind of what we're working yeah. right now. Just like the people who are interested, some save, some not, um, just, we, we had our first official, not official. I mean, it wasn't a church service, but you know, uh, we had an Easter quote unquote service at, at our flat and I, played some songs in Hungarian yeah. on the guitar. I preached a short message in English, but, you know, threw in some Hungarian as I'm learning and, uh, yeah. all with completely unchurched people, man, who never, and it was just, awesome. dude, it was one of the biggest spiritual highs I've ever had in my life. Cause it was right. like, this only happened because God has been working, man, because it's, I've done mm-hmm. nothing other than just like pray really hard <laughs> that he sends the right people and I don't screw it up, man. So um, right. man, that's a great prayer. Praise God, man. It's uh, the foundation. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and, you know, we, we had a man we're teams are starting to visit, man. We, which is so weird for us. Cause the first year we were here, we didn't have anyone visit because of COVID. But, uh, now you have people like, Hey, we're doing a missions trip in Europe. Can we stop by and see you for a day or two? I'm like, well, yeah, come on over. That's awesome. We can show you our yeah, neighborhood and we had a, a team from a, a Midtown Baptist Temple in Kansas City, Missouri, six or eight young people. And they're asking, like, what does a missionary do all day? And like, that's a valid question. Right. You don't know. I didn't know before I <laughs> asked somebody, you know, it, it doesn't offend me. And then you, you right. just tell them, man, the fa- we're in the foundational stages in that it's tough. If you think about building a building, the if you've ever watched, because I, I got to help us build a youth building at, at our church in Ohio, and uh, the planning stages takes forever. The foundation, digging, you know, leveling the, the ground and digging the, the, the footers and pouring the footers takes forever. But then once the things start going up, it goes up quick. And it's like you, you just have to get the foundation right, and you can't rush it. You have to do the foundation right. And that's where we're at mm-hmm. right now, man. We've just been plowing the field and, and working the, the soil and preparing those footers, you know, so that we can, mm-hmm. you know, in a year or two, when the church starts actually, you know, being built and is official, it can just, things can actually go a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. But I, it requires a lot of patience I, and diligence. And I don't know that a lot of young prospective missionaries realize that especially if you're going out somewhere oh, yeah. and you're not joining because we didn't join a veteran missionary when we first I've met one along the way now who has been a tremendous help but it's not like we just went and joined a guy and I was his assistant for two years until he sent me out so I think you did something similar mm-hmm. too I mean you just you just went you went you moved to the big city for a minute for language learning but then kind of on your own right. at that point so it's, it's just a lot of patience mm-hmm. and diligence and just push mm-hmm. forward yeah yeah yeah, you have to have a lot of patience and you have to, uh, you know, you, you kind of get used to the, the, there will be people along the way who say, why aren't you moving faster? Mm-hmm. In, in other words, they don't say it that way, but sure, you know, sure. where's the fruit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you, as, as a missionary, God's placed a calling on your heart and you know what the need is there and you know exactly 
what that looks like and you and you in a, in a sense you have you have an understanding of how long that's going to take mm. and the missionary who's willing to stick it out is the one who who sees the fruit long term sure you know it may be 30 40 years if the lord tarries that long and, and we may see something big at that point maybe you know if that's mm. in god's plans but mm. the bottom line is my my job is to lay the foundation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can mm-hmm. think of lots of missionaries of antiquity who didn't get to see the fruit, but they laid the foundation for the right. next guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I think that's that's the best mentality to have to go into missions is to, I mean, there's a place for short-term missions and there's a place mm-hmm. for mission trips. Of course. But I think uh, for the most part, I think the best way to, to go into missions is go into it as a, you know, a career, mm-hmm. knowing that, that this is what God has called me to long-term yeah. and I'm here to stay as long as it takes. And, mm-hmm. and as much or as little fruit as I see, I'm willing to to stick it out because mm-hmm. in the end, I'm not trying to accomplish something for God. I mean, yeah. I've, I have, I'm approved in Christ. You know, I have mm-hmm. everything that I need. God has, has, has blessed me and God has saved me and loved me. And so I don't, it's not that I'm trying to convince him of something or accomplish something for him. It's just, yeah. he's given me a gift to, yeah serve in ministry and this that's all I can do is just well, serve. And it's going back to Second Timothy two, since we're talking about the discipleship, you know, Second Timothy two two is the discipleship verse, you know, where Paul right. commends Timothy to take what he's been given and teach it to faithful men who will teach others also. But then it's like verse three and four, a lot of people times people just stop and I'm like, dude, verse three then goes on to say, you know, you're you're a soldier, so endure hardness therefore, therefore, you know, verse two, mm-hmm. since you're gonna do discipleship Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then verse four, in the context of discipleship, no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. So it's, like you said, it's all about the perspective of this is why I'm doing it. Not to earn his love, but to please him who called me to do it. And I, and I think for, for myself, when there are the struggle times or the hard days, it's just, making sure I readjust my focus on the judgment seat on uh, Colossians three things above. And, and just, it's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. It's, it's not even necessarily for the rewards of this life. It's, it's, you know, banking on the rewards, sending them forward into the next life, you know? And, mm-hmm. and more importantly, yeah. that, that we get to please him. We see him at the judgment seat and hopefully make him proud. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's the best mentality to have, you know, in missions. <laughs> I think it helps us to to stick it out when when times get hard and mm-hmm. when things are slower than we want them to be. Do you remember uh, helps us. when you were in that the foundational years of because I know that you went to the big city first and then made your way out to the villages. So yours uh, was it was a different process than ours has been so far. Um, do you remember ever being frustrated with? Um, just the timing of things or like feeling like it's moving too slow and not necessarily mad at God, but like, man, am I doing something wrong? Should I be, you know, should I be doing something else because it's not moving fast? Can you recount any of those times or feelings? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I felt like I was completely worthless in in so many different ways. (laughs) Well, I I didn't want to say the word, but yeah, I can identify. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I mean, those first first couple of years, it was tough. Uh, yeah. We were working in the in the city, but it, it was a new church plant there. Mm-hmm. And the it's a long story, but the missionary there was there was health problems going on, and so he was in and out. And you know, I had opportunities to, to minister, but it was more like only when there was a hole. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was actually, you know, moving forward with the ministry. I wasn't seeing things happen. I was kind of just just kind of keeping the church afloat, basically. Yeah. 
And in, in my heart was in the villages. We were just trying to get into the villages and we could not get an open door. There were no missionaries here. We had no context. And so it was, it was a long time of waiting. And I, I did things I shouldn't have done. I, I, I looked for opportunities. I tried to open doors myself. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it, no, ended I, up, I totally ended understand. Up, right. Yeah. I because you feel like you also but, have to justify why you're there, not just in newsletters, exactly. but it's like, man, I've got, I've got little old ladies back in America, giving their two mites from their fixed income. I got to do something, you know, and um, right. it can be hard right. to balance that with waiting mm-hmm. on the Lord yeah. at the same time. <laughs> I agree 100%. Those are the times those are the times you really need a veteran missionary in your life mm-hmm. even if he's not right there but someone you can yeah. talk to on a regular basis. Absolutely. Uh, that helps you see the you know this is the foundational part of missions. You know God could have chosen to do missions a different way, but he chose to do it in this kind of way and, and what it looks like right now is that a foreigner goes into a place where there is no gospel presence or there is no active church planning in some area. And we have to learn everything, everything it means to live there and work there and, and speak there. And we have to raise all the money. And that means people making huge sacrifices mm-hmm. so that I can buy food and I can take my wife out to dinner. And so I can, you know, survive on the mission. Buy field. shoes for my and all that is part of the process. Feet grows every month at this point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wait till he's 14. Right? Oh, gosh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just eat you out of house and home. I mean, oh, man. And that's all. It's all part of God's, you know, perfect plan and yeah. perfect purpose, and and uh, it's a it's a long journey, but it's an exciting journey. Mm. Yeah, man. Can I, since we're on this topic, can I can I ask you? We're so we are. I, I don't know if you've heard this or not. We haven't really made a at the recording of this. We haven't really made a formal announcement or anything. But we're um, you know, by the time this airs, it you know we'll have told people more people. It's not a secret, but we're we're pregnant uh, with our second one. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, exciting. Not quite halfway, um, so we don't know the gender or anything yet. It, I keep saying this because I got to talk to the audience. At the recording of this, um, didn't, right. we don't know the gender yet, but um, that you know that's putting us at, you know, we, we're, we're going to have the baby in America, so there there is going to be a visit to the States at some point. Um, right. And that's going to be our first visit to the States, and it's going to be around the two-year mark, which was our our plan and our goal all along when we left and was the advice of uh, Jeff, who's my pastor and veteran missionary, and and a, and a couple of people I've talked to. It's like, man, if you can, if you can spend almost give or take, you know, around two years before you come back home, it's it'd be really good for you. And it has been, it has been. But we've also gone through so much as fam- as a family and individuals and our church. Uh, of course, the ministry goes on. Our sending church, you know, ministry goes on. Um, and our sending church is from my hometown, dude. I, I grew up there for thirty years. Before leaving, I grew up in that church for 30 years before leaving. And uh, man, I'm nervous. I, I can't explain it. Like, you know, some people, they would think you're just excited. I'm, I am. I'm excited to see people. But I'm also just kind of nervous, man, because I'm, I'm a different person. My family's different. I know that my town and my church will be a little bit different. And it's just like, I don't know what it is. I've got a little bit of nerves. And, and we haven't, at this point, we, there's no plane tickets booked. We're just... Mm-hmm. anticipating that we're going to be visiting again. And when we first came here, there was no other than a two year mark. There was no like, you know, end in sight as far mm-hmm. as like visiting back home for the first time. Right. And it's like the first time for me just seems so substantial because after that, it's like, if I need to fly back for a week for a missions conference, that's, that's fine. But the first time, you know, it's been, we haven't had a Christmas in America since 2019 um, when mm-hmm. we moved to the field, our son was two. Now he's four. 
he spent almost half of his mm. life here. It, I don't know, man. It, am I weird? Like, why? <laughs> I, I don't even know what I'm asking you. Why do I feel this way? What, am I right. wrong? What, can you help me? I, this, you're my shrink right now. Like, what? Right. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> well, well, I answer. I'll answer the most recent question. Yes, you are weird. That's number one. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, well, we, we're missionaries, so we all we're all weird. <laughs> we're we're all in that category, I guess. Um. No, we honestly, uh, we have felt that and, and we really? still feel that when we, when we go, wow. we feel that every single time. Um, and to say, you don't know what things are going to look like. You don't know what the people are going to ask you. That biggest fear is always, I don't have it as much now because a lot more things have happened in ministry, but those first few trips back, I was dreading the question, how many members are in your church? You know, how big is your church? Sure. What is, you know, how many people got saved last week? Mm-hmm. You know? How many hundreds of people got saved last week? I'm just <laughs> dreading those questions. Yeah. And and sure enough, I go, you know, and, and some dear little old lady, of course. you know, she loves the Lord, but loves the Lord. prays for you, mind. guaranteed, you know? <laughs> right. She prays for us. She loves us. But, you know, it's just, there's just the mentality there of we want to see numbers. We want to see things happen. Well, and they haven't seen you for a long time. So it's like, man, you must, right. must be killing it out there, right. you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You must have five churches by now. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a lot of, a lot of fear of that. And, and one of the things is funny. I just recently, I just recently talked to Laura about this, my wife, mm-hmm. we, I feel like over the last few years, we've gone through a lot of, of suffering and a lot of loss. We've talked a little bit about it. I think on the, yeah. on the podcast a couple of times, it's been a long couple of years and we're going on about three years now, uh, just kind of one thing after another that the Lord has brought into our life to refine us mm-hmm. and, I'm telling you, I, I ought to be pure by now. I'm, I'm wondering when the refining process <laughs> right, is going to right. stop. Like, are we done now? <laughs> right, right. I don't know how bright I can get. But, you know, we going through that process has, has changed me as a person mm-hmm. uh, deeply. Obviously, spiritually, praise the Lord, it needed to happen. The Lord has changed me deeply. But, I mean, even just my personality, everything about me is different. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't laugh as much as I used to. I don't. And I'm joy. I'm 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 filled. I'm filled with joy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nothing like that. It's just there's a different seriousness on my heart right now, and I think it's just because of everything that's been on our hearts for the last two years and three years. And so I, I told my wife that's one of my fears when we're in the states. Hmm. There, there's a lot of big personalities sure. in the states, sure. and there's a lot of the pastors that support us. Just real big personalities, you know. And they get in the pulpit, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, here I am, and mm-hmm. and I get in the pulpit, and I feel like. I mean, it's like I'm not even allowed to be here. I just I feel <laughs> like you don't, I don't know. It's just almost. different, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then the and then the Quechua culture as well is very reserved. Like people don't get loud and excited, and they don't, you know, they're not the life of the party. Mm-hmm. No one's the life of the party here. It's just everybody's real quiet. So you, and so I've becoming that kind of a person. You, you do. And so when I go exactly there, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. Right. I, I I worry about those, mm-hmm. you know, comparisons and with, you know. That missionary, well, he's weird, you know. He's he sure is a bump on a log. He doesn't talk much, or he doesn't. Right. Anyway, so the, and you I think have about those, those things. Well. Yeah, I mean, for mm-hmm. people listening, if you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're interested in missions. Even if you're not a missionary or prospective missionary, you're just a churchgoer. You you must like missions at some level. And you know, when these are things, when when missionaries roll into town for, if if it's a missions conference or if it's just a uh, um, you know a visit and update kind of a service at a prayer service or a Sunday morning, like 
we think about those things, man. You want people to like you. You want, but you're not. You're different now. So you've been spent twelve years in Ecuador. You're Ecuadorian, or what? And I don't, I don't know the adjective right. form of Ecuador, but but you are yeah, right. more that than American, at least culturally. And um, it's mm-hmm. like my son, man. He's lived almost half his life in Hungary, and so even though his Hungarian isn't perfect, and he's four year old, his English sucks too. But <laughs> you know, as far as that goes, <laughs> but um, I mean. Mm-hmm. He's more Hungarian now than he was, and and you just feel yourself changing, and that's a good point, man. I, I think I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I can pinpoint anything, but I just, I know that I've changed. I know that my family's changed, and I know that when I go back home, back home's not the same way I left it either, and so it's just like right. so much change mm-hmm. on both ends just worries me. But uh, but but of, of course we're also excited to see so many people and to update with what's going on in our lives. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just Absolutely. curious to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> I can, I remember if I could tell you real quick, I yeah. remember uh, my wife and I, one of our first trips back, we went to a restaurant. I think it was a Moe's. I remember Mose. right. Down uh, South, huh? Like a, yeah, down South. Moe's or Zaxby's. Yeah, um, Zaxby's. Oh man, Zaxby's is good. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I would take <laughs> Zaxby's over Moe's too. Yeah. Right. I'll, but, I'll take but Raising Cane's over both of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah yeah there you go <laughs> the, we anyway we go into this restaurant and there's this there's this drink machine and it's this big red thing and it's got a touch screen on it oh bro when they brought the touch screen coca-cola machines in yeah okay oh my word yes yeah we were completely lost wow. we didn't know what to do we're just standing in front of this thing like wow. what on earth is this wow. you know? <laughs> and people are looking at us like aren't you from here like you're very obviously from here what's what's the problem <laughs> You don't so look it, like a foreigner. You don't like sound that. like a foreigner. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, we've we've had plenty of those experiences. Hmm. Man. It's and you know what though? I think that's I think it's a good sign too, because it's it's proving that like so at least for me, you know, the goal was to be here about two years before we went back for our first trip. And you know, for not for everybody, that's not always possible. So I'm not like if if you were are a missionary and that you went home earlier than that for your first trip. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking it. That was just our goal and the advice that we had gotten. And for me and even my wife, I've, I've asked her about this. You know, I said like, if we had the opportunity to like visit sooner, would you have wanted to, or would you have been ready? And, and we both were like, I don't think I would have been ready, man. Like I've needed this time to kind of separate because it was just hard to leave, especially, you know, some missionaries, you know, they, they go to different churches or, or they went to Bible college were sent out of a church they didn't grow up in or anything like that. But like our situation, it was, it was just hard, man. It was just hard to leave, hard for anyone to leave. And so I think we've just needed this time to make this place home. And so we feel it Mm -hmm. now. Like this is home. My son goes to school here. His friends are here. I know our neighborhood. We have some disciples and we have friends and, and it's going to be harder to, to go back to the States now um, Mm -hmm. than it would be to stay here. And I I think that's a good sign because it's like, you think about like Mm -hmm. all our stuff is here and you're thinking of like the logistics of like, man, I'm, we're going to be guests. In, in America, we're going to be mm-hmm. visitors, which is strange to think, but I think we needed yeah. that time to get to that place and that mindset. Um, and so I, mm-hmm. I'm very excited in that regard, because I think it's going to be a, a healthy visit for, for us and our mm-hmm. families. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think every missionary, like you said, every situation is different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it depends on what kind of context you're serving in, you know, on the field. And a lot of it depends on too, if you have missionaries around you. You know, there's a lot of different things that 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 affect how often you should go and sure and man, all of those all of those details. 
but it's good to have people, other missionaries in your life that can help you yeah. see that. As a young missionary, it's hard to, to hard, it's hard to know. Sure. But as a, um, but having some better missionaries around you, they can really help guide. Yeah. Cause it's also easy to just like, as a young missionary, be like, you know what, man, I'm just sticking it out. Nose to the grindstone. I'm going to die at 29, like David Brainerd or Robert Murray. <laughs> like I'm just, and then, right. and then you, you know, you talk to your older friends who've been doing it for, I, you know, there's a guy here that, uh, named Mark, who's been here for 30 years in Hungary, who I, who I found God led into my life. And he's been a huge help. I've got Jeff Bartel, right. Paul Clark's a guy in, in Columbia who's been huge for me. You've been a huge help since before we got here. And uh, when I talk to you guys, it's often like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like take your, right. take your family on vacation, take a couple days off. Right. And it gives you, I don't know if you can remember, like as a, as a yeah. younger guy, you're like, this is my job. I can't take t- time off. I can't just go to a vacation for a week. Like it, that's, that's what my mind thought, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, I need those older guys to be like, no man, like you're, you still have your family and you still need to take care of yourself and your body and your, obviously spiritually, you need to be spent time with the Lord, but I mean, even emotionally. And, um, and so it's always good to be reminded right. of that because when you're on your own, it can mm-hmm. be like, you know, nose to the grindstone, no looking up. Mm-hmm. If you have feelings, squash them. You, you know, you got rest of eternity mm-hmm. to have feelings, you know, like I can, I can feel when I die or <laughs> whatever, you know, right. but it's like, right. but really though, it's like, no, you got to take care of yourself, take care of your family. And even right. visiting, it's not always selfish. Cause it's, I mean, even Paul, um, went to, uh, you know, visit the churches and, and, and let them know how things were going. So that's important too. Um, right. But yeah, like, we had like a, you said, it's, a veteran it's missionary here in Ecuador tell us one time jokingly, but he said, he said, this is how you can tell when you need a break. He said, when you start liking the potato chips, it's time for a break because <laughs> the, the potato chips are, are strange here. I don't know what it is, but they're, they're strange. That's and funny. he said, so you'll, you'll come to the point over time where you have to eat them. You know, people give them to you and uh-huh. it'll come to the point where you're like, mm, that's kind of good. You're you're like, like, All right, now it's time okay. for a break. <laughs> you need to step <laughs> away. Because there's, there's, uh, they have tons of potato chips here too that are all the strangest flavors. And uh, right. there's a few normal ones, you know, there's like the sour cream and onion. You're like, okay, okay, I can do that. But there's this right. cheese flavored one, which isn't weird because there's cheese flavored chips in America. But this cheese flavored chip tastes like butt it just does man it's it's i mean and my wife and my son love it and i'm like oh no i don't know what's wrong with you guys or maybe that's good that you guys are it's it's time for a break yeah (laughs) (laughs) but man well dude i let me let me just say as we wrap up here i i thank you for being one of the guys that i can talk to and get advice from bounce things off I, i appreciate that you're willing to be so candid and open on microphone too. I know a lot of guys don't feel that comfort as missionaries and I understand why too. Um, so, so thanks for being that guy and, uh, being Absolutely. a guy that I can talk to once or twice a year. And it's, it's like you're picking up from the last time. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, man. It's been good talking with you again. And man, it makes me look forward to heaven, having these conversations like this, knowing what, Absolutely. what that's going to be like to, to not have to, to break and not have to only talk once a year just to be able to have, <laughs> Uh, you know, this kind of fellowship. I appreciate you putting this together and I appreciate you giving me a call. Of course, man. I I hope that someday, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe someday we'll actually get to meet on the same continent, like in person. That would be, it would be cool, man. I don't remember the last time I saw you in person. It might've been that first Uh missions conference that you were at FBC years ago. Um, Not sure. Yeah, maybe so. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. We'll have to work that out one day. Yeah. Hey man, if I don't see you in person, I'll see you in the clouds. All right. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, I'll be there. Thanks again, bro. All right, man. It's good talking with you. 
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, like I said at, at the beginning there, I, I really did catch Will off guard because I just started recording, but I love talking to Will. He's such a good brother and a good missionary, and honestly, he's just been one of those guys that since we uh, started deputation and, and ended up on the field, he's been a guy that I can uh, confide in, a guy that I can ask him for advice and um, with no judgment, and uh, and you if you can find a brother, uh, a mentor, um, a friend like that, that's, man, that's a really valuable thing to have. So I value Will in, in so many ways. I hope I hope you guys enjoyed that kind of uh, candid conversation that didn't really have any specific um, theme to it. I'll certainly try to pick one out for the title of this episode, but I, I hope it was encouraging to you, and I hope that uh, you learned something from it. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to Missionary Roundtable. We will see you back here, same time, same place, next week. Have a good one. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.